Welcome to Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Tom Williams. While students are staying home and schedules are disrupted due to the coronavirus, social emotional learning is especially important now more than ever. Today, we look at the mental health needs that many kids may be facing at home right now and ways to support social emotional learning from a distance. I'd like to welcome to the show, Dr. Katie Rosenbaum, Senior Research Scientist at the Duke Center for Child and Family Policy. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. These are certainly unusual times and we've been hearing a lot about from the educational community about the importance of our children's social emotional learning needs during these extended breaks. Absolutely. Can you kind of just give us a brief description or definition of what are we talking about when we say social emotional learning? Uh, there's, there's so much wrapped up into that word, isn't there? You know, really we're learning throughout our entire lives how to recognize our feelings, how to deal with our feelings when they're too big, when they feel overwhelming, how to calm down, and how to get along with each other, right? How to, how to have relationships that are successful. Um, and that's not something that we're born with. It's something that we build in the context of relationships. So that's what we're talking about, that we need to be growing in kids and adults all the way through our lives. Well, with that context, uh, what do you think we should be uh, most aware of at this time uh, regarding students' mental health and social emotional needs? So I think, first of all, we need to be aware that there are children, a lot of children really, that have experienced adversity in the past that is only going to be exacerbated in this moment. So we have kids who may be living in environments that aren't very safe for them right now or stable, um, have economic struggles, um, where, the, where the adults in the household are really struggling with their own mental health and, and all of the pressure and stress. And you add to that the fact that right now we all have anxiety caused by knowing that bad things are happening and that we don't have control over them and we don't know what to do about it. So all of that rolled up into one means that right now kids may be, even if you can't see it on the surface, really struggling with some stress, anxiety, and concern about what's coming. So when you think about the context of uh, coronavirus fears and extended school closures, how do you see or do you see these potentially contributing to student trauma and mental health needs uh, even a, a bigger concern than normal? Absolutely. I mean, I think we already know that just, I mean, in North Carolina, in the schools that the Resilience and Learning Project has been working with here in the state, many of them went through the hurricanes in the past few years and had students displaced for months from their schools, from their homes. And the behavioral challenges the emotional challenges and the learning challenges that follow that are, are pretty long-standing, and we know that for for at least several months after things resume normality, you know, and kids are back in school, this is still going to be something we're struggling with. Yeah. So, what are some thoughts that you have about um, state and local policymakers, policy leaders, uh, and other educational leaders? That what should they be doing to help ensure that our students' needs are met at this time? Yeah, so, you know, I, I hear wonderful stories. I see wonderful stories on Facebook of some great ways that teachers and, and student support staff are reaching out right now. The most important thing we need to be doing is connecting and not just with, uh, you know, I've got a lesson plan online, but real connection. So teachers who are putting up Facebook videos of themselves saying to my, your kids, I really miss you guys. I can't wait to see you again just those personal touches so that people feel heard. But also uh, districts really need to make our hotlines or um, 
uh, services set up so that if kids need to reach out, if they're struggling with this, they know who to talk to, they know that they have a place to go. Very good. And when you think about, you know, we have teachers, but we also have support professionals. What are some of the key roles that those uh, support professionals can play both in supporting the students, but perhaps also in supporting the teachers? That is absolutely so critical and supporting themselves. You know, every single person in, in the pathway has got to be taking care of themselves and their own mental health needs if we're going to be supporting the kids. We can't take care of the kids until we take care of ourselves. You know that kids are absorbing the emotions that we are experiencing. And so, you know, the kids in your environment, if you're feeling anxious, they know that and they're soaking it up too. So we've got to take care of ourselves first. I think that the, the student support staff can be serving as, a, as an ear, uh, providing wellness ideas um, and, and self-care ideas, mindfulness practice, structure. There's so many different um, practices that will help us to cope better um, as individuals and then to promote that with our kids. So if you would talk to us, uh, we've got a lot of viewers out there that are parent or caregivers. They've got children at home. They're trying to balance uh, work or if they're facing unemployment as, as a number are. What kind of strategies would you offer to those parents and caregivers during this time? So first of all, be, be gentle with yourself. Go easy on yourself. You're doing great. It's not going to look perfect. We've all got to forgive ourselves for the little moments and forgive one another. We're in close proximity and being together all the time can make it really difficult to have relationships. So, so the most important thing is that um, take care of yourself and make sure that you're getting enough sleep, that you're getting outside and getting some exercise, all of that. But the most important things for the kids are, are these. I would say we've got to be helping them to recognize how they're feeling and give them an ear so that they can talk about it. Um, we've got to be building structure. It's so comforting to think about what it is that you have control over and focus on that. How can I support my community? How can I take care of myself right now? How can I build a routine so that I have a predictable schedule that I'm looking at every day? That will build enormous comfort for kids and for you as a grown-up. Um, and then thirdly, to really support their ability to calm down when they're upset. I recommend, and we do this at schools, but I recommend calm down corners where you have a spot in your house where you've got a cozy blanket, a stuffed animal to hug, you know, some squishy things to squeeze, some music to listen to, whatever helps you calm down. And that that is your place that you can go when you need to take a breath and get yourself back together. Coach kids on using that and coach kids on helping themselves calm down when they feel like, oh, this is too much. And play together. That's the other thing. We've got to be having fun. We've got to be finding ways to, to you know, build laughter into our days. That is the best medicine. Well, that's a great message for us to end on today. We are so delighted to have you join us and also working with our resilience and learning um, school districts around the state with the Public School Forum. So thank you so much, Dr. Rosenbaum, for being Absolutely. with us. Absolutely. Stay safe. Thrilled to be with you. Best wishes, and we'll be checking in with you again, okay? Absolutely. Sounds great. You guys stay safe, too. Take care. Thank you so very much. Uh, we'll be right back after a short break. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others enriching lives.
Joining us now is Cynthia Floyd, State Consultant for Student Service Support Services for School Counseling at the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you. First, I hope you and your family and your colleagues are doing well during these unprecedented times. Yeah, so far, so good. We're, we're getting very good at uh, virtual meetings and things like that. So yeah, so far, so good. And I hope the same for you as well. Doing well. So thank you. Um, you're a highly experienced uh, school counseling leader. So can you maybe just share with our viewers uh, how you've seen students' social emotional learning and mental health needs change over the recent years? We are seeing some increases in some of the concerns, um, both from the reports from school counselors and school social workers and, and other specialized instructional support, but also in, in data. Uh, our Specialized Instructional Support and Healthy Schools section at DPI facilitates a youth risk behavior survey. And we are seeing some, some increases, and they're not huge, but there are steady increases in some concerns like increased sadness, um, suicidal ideation, and things like that. So we're seeing the needs escalate a little bit, but that's kind of the, the negative side. Um, and, and we're seeing some you know, con connections to uh, social media and things like that with that, but the technology is helping us right now to reach out to children. And on the more positive side, we're also seeing more and more people recognize the need for social emotional learning. If we had had this conversation years ago, uh, it would have been more about um, what are school counselors doing or what are school social workers doing? Or um, as educators and teachers start thinking about the students re-entering either in the late spring or summer or back in the fall, what are some things that you think our education, educators need to keep in mind going forward? I think first and foremost, we're going to need to recognize that students aren't really going to come back quite ready to learn that first day. That it, it is going to be important to focus on the social and emotional learning needs. Um, it, it's probably going to be a challenge and that you know, if we come back before the end of the school year, which we're hoping that these kids are going to want to be hugging each other. Staff are going to, yeah, everybody's going to want to hug, but we're still going to have a virus out there. So, you know, school's going to need to think about, you know, how are we going to handle that? But they're really going to need to take you know, at least that first day, probably more, to really focus on the social emotional learning needs. Um, maybe just having class discussions. So, how's everybody doing? You know, what, what helped you with this? And, or, you know, maybe some structured activities that are focused on social emotional learning. And you know, as I mentioned a moment ago that more and more people are getting aware of the importance of social emotional learning, which means they're also integrating it into other curricular areas. So you know, as we start getting into the curricular areas, thinking about you know, how can I integrate social emotional learning in this? If in English language arts, we're doing a writing activity, connect it with social emotional learning. And school counselors are gonna truly be thinking about this. So you know, if administrators or teachers are struggling with how am I going to do this? Turn to your school counselors and collaborate with them on you know, some social emotional learning activities that can be integrated into the classroom. Right now we have kids at home wondering, where's the next meal going to come from? Or we have some kids wondering, am I going to get to graduate? Yes, we're going to make sure people get to graduate. Um, lots of things that, that kids are worried about, and those are going to have to be first and foremost when they come back. Where can educators and families find some resources, both at the state and local level? And then to kind of close out our time, 
uh, maybe about what's on the horizon, what's in works um, with um, the state agency. Your school counselor, school social worker, school nurse, school psychologist, we need more of them to help with this, but they can often help connect you with resources if you don't know how to connect with them locally. Another great resources to help you connect with local resources is the 211, not 911, <laughs> stress that. 211, if people will just phone 211, it will tell them how to connect with their local resources in their community, whether mental health or food or housing and anything like that. Um, another less well-known one, although it's probably known to most of our school counselors, is a national website called Aunt Bertha, AuntBertha.com. Um, it's a vetted resource where you can go online, enter your zip code, and it will tell you where varieties of resources are in your community. Because uh, all of those things, the, where we're going to eat, you know, everything calls, comes into play with social emotional learning. And right. substance abuse can be a concern in situations like this. So right. there are places to reach out both locally and at the state and national level. Right. Also on the DPI website, the dpi.nc.gov, uh, you'll find a link right there on the home page to the COVID-19 resources. It links to Department of Health and Human Services, the governor's information, but also to meal availability, internet availability. Just a few seconds left, so yeah, what's coming okay, up? Okay, coming up, we had have a social emotional learning team that is working specifically on lots of social emotional learning resources. We're gonna create a specific link to that and hoping to get that up and going Within the next several days, it might not be this week. Thanks to you, Cynthia Floyd, for what you and your school counseling teams are doing all across the state at this time. After the break, we'll take a look at the inside school perspective with Bill Cook, principal of West Green Elementary School in Greene County. I'd like to welcome to the show Phil Cook, principal of West Green Elementary School in Greene County, North Carolina. And thank you so much, Mr. Cook, for being with us today. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, tell us how you feel your students and their parents and families are doing. In Greene County, you know, we're a very rural, low socioeconomic area, and there's a lot of needs, whether that's physical or social and emotional needs for our students. And right now, we really, truly need to focus on those social and emotional and physical needs of our students because it is a very challenging time in this world, as we all know. Um, one thing I'd love to give a shout out to is our school, our county, Greene County, spearheaded by Dr. Miller, served over 2,000 lunches and breakfasts yesterday to our students, which was around 70% of our total population. And so I was really pleased to see that we're getting those meals out to our students. Um, right now, you know, our students, they're struggling because school a lot of times is the safe haven. That's a place where they can come and feel loved and cared for and nurtured. And right now we're having a hard time as a staff making sure that our students are feeling that way because we don't know what's going on at home. And so we wanna make sure that we're reaching out to them, just checking on them, telling them we love them, that we care for them, and that we're here for them if they need anything. Because a lot of our students do not have the means technology-wise or internet-wise that we can be doing remote learning through technology. And so the academic work that we've provided is paper, pencil at this time. 
And I've asked my staff to truly just call students and just check on them. And they're doing a fantastic job. So looking at your students, because you serve uh, students at your school in what grades two through three? Yes, sir. Right. So you mentioned earlier about the meals. Um, how, how do parents know about that? And how is that playing out? Where is it being done? So we are really using social media to our benefit. And so you posting on Facebook, Twitter, our school web pages, sending out robocalls or text messages, letting parents know that daily, Monday through Friday from 11 to one o'clock, there's a bus or a school set up somewhere within the county that will be serving hot lunches as well as breakfast for the next day. And so as of right now, I believe there's 11 different spots throughout Green County. We are using church parking lots. We're using fire stations. Talk a little bit about what kind of things you're hearing from parents. Are they asking you for particular things or are they asking for strategies on things? And, and how are you trying to support your parents while they have their kids at home for this extended time? Some parents want some more work. Some want less work. Um, I worked really hard with my staff and asked them to provide um, books on our students reading levels. So in second and third grade, you know, they're supposed to be reading at a 750 Lexile level in third grade. A lot of our students aren't at that level yet. And so we provided guided reading books for our students that differentiated the work. So we weren't asking them to do something that was beyond their capacity. And so our staff did a tremendous job getting those books together. I think a lot of our parents are really just concerned as to what tomorrow is going to bring. And um, we're trying our best to really bring that joy and positivity to our students through our social media accounts so that they know that we love them and we care about them. Our parents really haven't asked for more work yet. We provided them with four weeks of work already. We have another packet pickup happening in April 20th for weeks um, five through eight. So right now they're in the middle of week three and they have more than enough work to get them through this. But we also don't want to overwhelm our parents because as a parent myself, it's a very nerve wracking time. And we want to make sure that these kids, you know, are, are happy and safe. I know you've got a really diverse student body there. Does that present some challenges to you? And how are you trying to address that? Absolutely. So we are a third, a third, a third Hispanic, black and white, and uh, we have a very large Hispanic, Spanish speaking population and we have our packets translated so that our Spanish speaking parents can still access the material that we're sending out. We do have um, four Los Puentes classrooms that are dual language programs where they're learning half in English and half in Spanish throughout the day. Those packets are as well are being in, done in Spanish and English. We have a countywide translator who I utilize all the time to send out messages to parents, um, translate notes and letters that we send out. For example, after our first parent pickup, we had around 80% of our students pick up their packet that night, which to me was extremely um, a positive moment because we have a very low socioeconomic group of families living in Greene County that don't have the transportation needs. And so 80% of them coming out and getting those packets was amazing. That night, our countywide translator and myself did a video to parents that we shared with them, letting them know uh, we just thank them so much for coming out tonight. And this is how they could utilize those packets moving forward. That's, that's great. Um, 
Mr. Cook. And what we'd like to do, if you don't mind, is we'd like to check back in with you with a couple of weeks and just see how things are going and what kinds of lessons have been learned and what kind of successes you're seeing, okay? Absolutely, we'd be glad to do that. Uh, we'll be right back after a short break. First and foremost, I want to thank you, each and every one of you, for your patience and your support of each other in our Buncombe County School family. I'm standing in the middle of our Family Resource Center. Shannon Boyd and her team are delivering meals and providing supply kits to over 100 homeless and high at-risk population families across Buncombe County. Last week, Lisa Payne and her child nutrition staff that were supported by many of you prepared and delivered over 50,000 meals at 12 of our school campuses. And those were delivered by over 50 of our yellow school buses to families across Buncombe County. This is an essential function during these times of crisis. You are also an essential part of us making this happen for our students and our families. I want to close by saying stay safe and continue to follow the recommendations of our public health experts. Once again, thank you for your patience and support of each other through these difficult times. Three weeks ago with the onset of the emerging coronavirus pandemic, it seemed like the only certainty we had in our lives was its uncertainty. Now with our schools being closed for at least another six weeks through May 15th, more certainty has become embedded in our daily lives as we learn how to cope with and reduce the risk caused by this invisible and unprecedented health threat. Governor Cooper's statewide stay at home executive order issued this week is intended to further flatten the curve as this pandemic moves across the globe and throughout our nation and state, and to allow us to minimize its life-threatening impact to our families and our communities. I don't envy our state and local leaders who continue to work tirelessly to balance their responsibilities for protecting the long-term public health of our state citizenry, while also trying to maintain the operation of essential services and businesses as much as possible. While our school's primary mission is to ensure each child in our care receives a sound basic education, leading to completing high school as career and college ready graduates, our teachers, principals, and our school support staff, first and foremost priority is grounded in assuring the safety and welfare of each child every day. COVID-19 has already disrupted the daily lives of 100% of school-aged children and their families. In times like this, all you've heard tonight and our experience within your own families and neighborhoods, we must be vigilant in tuning into the unique social, emotional, and mental health needs of the whole child. Our teachers have always been concerned for the welfare of their students, but they have also had the luxury of seeing and interacting with them at schools each and every day. 
During this extended break in the traditional student-teacher-parent relationship, our parents and caregivers, as well as teachers, have had to assume even more responsibilities while also managing their own stressors. Let's make sure all of us are taking some deep breaths throughout each day, extending understanding and patience with one another, and teaming up to keep the well-being of our children first and foremost in our minds. This will help us to come out on the other side of this with our children having learned academically, but also about their own resilience, unique talents, and strengths moving forward. Thank you, and that's it for this week.